Well, you know the phrase. Welcome back, everybody. It's great to have you again in the audience, that is. Welcome, Sabbath morning. Ah, Now we rest from every care. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Wow. Hey, little love. Come on, little love, guys. Jeez. Man, bunch of bastards. All these ex-Mormons are really feisty. You guys ever noticed Asshole. that? What a bunch of bastards. Yes, I have to agree. String them up. String them up. All of them. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, we're going to talk a little bit about burning for you today. And what the hell are we talking about? I almost don't have to ask that anymore because we know that that's the listener's question in the back of their mind. It's obviously a podcast about Blue Oyster Cult. That's right. For those of you who don't know them, shame on you. For those that do, you'll recall a beloved song. I'm burning, I'm burning, I'm burning for you. Yeah, it's not about Blue Oyster Cult or oysters, but it is about cults. <laughs> Before we jump into stuff, guys, you know how it goes. How about a little... LDS Church in the old newsers, schnauzer. You okay? Yeah. Jana Rice, speak of the devil. The devil. What's a female devil? Devil. Devilina? Is devil even gender specific? Probably not. Just devil. Now there's a thought. Female devil. Mm -hmm. Devilina. I'm going to go with devilina. Okay. Yeah. I don't think so. But anyway. Well, there's like demon and demoness, right? That's a grammatically correct. Okay. Jana Rice in the Salt Lake Tribune. Did Mormonism's anti-LGBTQ policy cause more people to leave the LDS church? As if we didn't know the answer to that already. (laughs) Why is that even a valid question? I don't know. It's Jana. And you'll love some of the things she says in here because we know a little bit about Jana already because we share some of her stuff quite a bit. And for listeners, again, who aren't as familiar or maybe you're just spot listening to episodes off and on, we've talked about Jana in the past. She's one of these folks who believes you can be something like a liberal Mormon or a modern Mormon or something like this, right? Where you believe a, some things. A progressive Mormon. Progressive Mormon, yeah. You believe some things, but not others, but you're still Mormon. And we, we've talked about that quite a bit. It probably deserves its own episode, actually. But That's, yeah. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. We should just talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The point being, we disagree. If you don't believe some of the stuff, well, that means the you church don't disagrees. That's right. The church <laughs> the disagrees. The church disagrees. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no, David, point. we disagree. Now, God damn it. <laughs> it's the brethren. They can't stand for those liberals. And and I don't know how Joe, Joe Biden got elected anyway. It's Dude, really wait, upsetting. Whoa, we can't get into politics here. Oh, oh, come on God, now. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going left field already. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, oh, that Jumbo. cleared me up. Thanks, Jim. We're good. We're All good. All right. Now. Yes. Uh, okay, here we go. There was a whole lot going on last week. What with six-figure COVID-19 cases and a contested presidential election in the United States. But amid mm-hmm. the tumult, the Church of Jesus Christ quietly passed a milestone, the kind you won't see trumpeted on the faith's website or commemorated in a news release. What is that milestone, you may ask? Five years ago. 
In early November 2015, the church banned children of same-sex couples from being baptized or formally blessed. Yes, we recall. Okay, this. so I'm gonna I'm gonna date myself. I can't believe it was that long ago. It seems like Me yesterday. It does seem like yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. That was that was one of my catalysts into yes, yes, continuing to question the church when I read that. Exactly, you and thousands of others is wrong. Thousands. Thousands, uh, and she's got on talk. that same bandwagon and rode down that same street. And that's when we all went to hell. <clears throat> that's right. Yeah, that's well, right. It's a, it's well, you nice, guys just like summarized the article right there. I don't even need to continue. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that was it. Thanks a lot for interrupting my Beatles song. I appreciate that. As I started, no, I oh, was sorry. I was trying to help sing. God, damn jumping it. into yesterday there. Anyway, never mind. Never mind. I won't share that. <clears throat> the decision was an aggressive overreaction to the legalization of same-sex marriage in the United States several months earlier. As such, the, quote, policy of exclusion, unquote, 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 what the hell is unquote? I think I just created a word. It's when you take your coat off. Yeah. Unquote. <laughs> <laughs> unquote. Let me just unquote here. <laughs> I... I've had it with this cloak. Take it off. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> such. Wow. Which would come to be known in some circles as simply, okay, I never heard of this. She says it was known in some circles as simply the pox. What? Or the ban. I did hear the ban. I didn't hear the pox. Pox is in smallpox yeah, or something? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. Maybe in her circle, the that's pox. what it was known as. Oh, don't yeah. you understand? Main national uh, headlines. No. New policy on gay couples and their children royals Mormon church, read the New York Times. The move was sharply criticized. Yeah, including by her, which means you're questioning the brethren, which means... You're not Mormon. You're not Mormon or you're unworthy at best and you need to repent. And you're get, a different kind of Mormon. Not get in line, right. Bigotry toward children was not a good look for us, she says. I love that she uses us there because she's still active. In April 2019, the policy was reversed with children of same-sex couples no longer being singled out for exclusion from important rituals. Rituals. It's interesting uh -oh. that she would use that word. Here we go. Like many, I complained when these bans were put in place because you always complain with the brethren and that's a good thing, right? No. They, they like <laughs> it. No, yeah. the answer is no. The answer is no. What? You have to stay in line or you're not a good Mormon. For God's sake. My joy was dampened, her joy, however, by the knowledge that the change came too late for some people. Okay, hold on a second. Your joy was dampened. Was it because you should have left too and you realized it? <laughs> <laughs> no, you never take your joy out when it's raining. Oh, that's pretty good, Davey. I like oh, I that. try. I can try. We, can we get a little love here, please? The audience is dead today, except when they want to boo. What is going on? I don't understand. Come on. It's, it's cold. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. All right. Oh, there, oh, there we go. There we go. Oh. It's Susan. Look at her on the far end of the stage. She's got the applause sign that she snuck up. Oh, you clever little girl. All right. <laughs> I want to be clear about scope here. Okay, wait, focus. Jen is being clear. I've written before Ooh. to urge caution about broad claims of max exodus of members, specifically because of the 2015 policy 
There are no reliable numbers about how many people resigned from the church in the immediate wake of the 2015 ban, despite resignation rallies that attracted thousands of attendees. As well, there is evidence that many Latter-day Saints who felt negatively about the policy also had reservations about other church teachings, meaning Uh that it didn't function as a lone catalyst that dramatically and single-handedly fueled their exit out of the church. Well, that may be true. It may be true. And back to your point, Mitch, you were questioning already this was kind of maybe a catalyst. Okay, that's fine. Is that Mm -hmm. make it better that there were other things to be concerned about? Probably not. Uh, No, it it, it just opened many more windows and doors to the actual truth of what the church is. Yeah. I won't read the whole article here. Here's bits and pieces left of the remainder. It's been a fascinating project for me. She's talking about a project where she's co-authoring a book called The Next Mormons, which basically (laughs) is this book about Mormons who aren't really Mormons, right? Think about it. (laughs) They're like her. They're the next Mormons. They partially believe. (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) We're just going to make this shit up. Oh, my God. Okay. So, she says- You realize they're just going to be another break off. Yeah. That's basically what it would end up being if a bunch of people did it. Yeah. It has been a fascinating project that has challenged some of my ideas about religious disaffection and made me cautious of the notion that any single rationale can explain everything. Religion is complicated and people even more so. Hmm. Oh, that explains everything. You know what? I'm going back to church. (laughs) I didn't, I never thought that religion was complicated. Me either. Or people were complicated. So that justifies. I'm with you, Mitch. Organization. I'm going to hey, go back to church and give. Can them I money. get a Can I get a ride? Oh, you know, sure. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, God is economical. Yeah, that's right. Sure. Yeah, he needs to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm scrolling through the end here. She's talking about quotes of people who did leave because of this, and she shares some of that. And then at the end, what, what I found funny was the part that you read that we we're not sure of the numbers on any of this. Well, guess what? people the church doesn't reveal any accurate numbers about anything hmm, that's true. their finances their membership none of it can be trusted that's correct so, david yeah big big revelation there yes well and, and something else that's actually hilarious to me is how members like that try to get all logical and technical we don't know, uh, you know, exactly how many members left when <laughs> that's not the issue. The issue is the fucking policy. That's right. That's if right. So if, if some member is being like, let's study and see how many, how many members actually left. It's not, we don't know. It's like, you, mm, okay, you're yeah. planning to be the next Mormon, but you're still feeding into the what sh- what she- Mormon bullshit. Yeah. Yes, what she's created is a group of ultra Mormons who stay in the church, but are smart enough to know that it's all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Think right. about that. So Come basically on. a group of people who are lying to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so go. here's how she sums up the article. Uh, Damage was done. Their trust was broken. She's talking about the people she's been interviewing that left due to this policy and other things. And despite the church's wise and welcome decision to reverse the policy, the fallout of 2015 may be felt for years to come. Well, I got Mm. a little something to share with you, sister. And it ain't what you hope I would share. Yes, okay, God. 
not only are they slow, that they're still bitchy. <laughs> it's that, yeah, nothing's going to look too good for the church over the next... Anyway, let's move on to the next article, shall we? Also in the Tribune. Quote, Amid global pandemic, LDS Church President Russell Nelson to offer message of, quote, hope and healing. I had to share this with you guys if you haven't seen it yet or heard it because... This is one of those things that's going to offer such amazing material for our show. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Listen I'm to excited. this. Listen to what Rusty Nell is queuing up here. Ah, I'm glad I'm sitting down. Okay. Russell M. Nelson, president of the Church of Jesus Christ, offered a tantalizing tidbit Friday of what is coming in a week. <gasps> Quote, I wish you were reading this, Mitch, because you could read it in Nelson's voice. My dear friends, the challenges that we face as fellow global citizens are immense, but our ability to feel hope and seek healing in Jesus Christ remains strong. The 96-year-old Nelson wrote Friday on Instagram, and here it is. You guys ready for this? I have felt impressed to share with you a message. Write this down. On November 20th. Oh, a date. 2020, from 11 o'clock. To 11.15 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Wow. Can you believe this? Think about this. He's queuing up this special message to the world. He's going to share this at this date and time. Mm. Um, right. <laughs> well, it sounds like the Pope. The Pope does the same thing. My God, man. When, I he, mean, what, when he makes an appearance and yeah. has a message, it's all just right on. So, so the here's the thing, right? And, yeah, and you, right at the right time and the right place. You better set yourself up for some major, I mean, either there's going to be like the most major revelation in the history of the church since 1978, or you're going to disappoint a lot of people, right? I mean, that's a huge play up, right? I mean, the church leader considered a prophet, seer, and revelator by millions of members around the world, love the word considered, will share an 11-minute video message, a news release noted, about, quote, hope and healing through Jesus Christ during this time of significant global fracture and instability, unquote. So here's my guess at the message. Stay home. Yeah. Yeah, I feel uh, like it's going to be disappointing. Wow. I really do. Really? Yeah. Because w- what's going on with the COVID thing? God told me yeah. that uh, 100,000 people a day are dying. So stay home. Uh, stay home. Yeah. That's from God. Yeah. So thank well, you. That's it. Yeah. I um, I don't even know. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we got some reaction here. Yeah. All right. I'm excited. Dave, it's time for my favorite part. Of the episode, every episode. That is for your information. And I will ask you this question Are you in formation, soldier? <laughs> I love it. Oh, wordplay. I see word what you play. did there. I, that was very, very clever. I'm very, very quicky. I'm very twicky. Okay, I got some really personal things going on here uh, that we'll read today. First of all, from my favorite Mormon, who is sorry, passed on. Yeah, passed on. He he is. He passed. (laughs) Yeah, he passed on. (laughs) November ninth. We're in 1955. First presidency informed 70s president Bruce R. McConkie 
that they have misgivings about his intended publication of a multi-volumed sound doctrine, that would be the title, as censored and condensed version of the Journal of Discourses. So think about this. All of the craziest shit that was ever spoken by the early leaders of the church, I I shouldn't say all, but a, a large portion of it is found within the 26 volumes of Journal, the Journal of Discourses. And remind and everyone so who put- to go through and censor it and edit it. Basically take out all the crazy shit. So here's the first presidency's response to that. First presidency reads page proofs of the first volume and responds on the 9th of February. Quote, Omissions would probably be sought out and magnified by church critics of an abridged edition of the Journal of Discord. <laughs> you think? Yeah. yeah. So so he's encouraged not to publish it. And remember, or remind everyone, who compiled all of that stuff into the Journal of Discourses to begin with? Was that B.H.? It was B.H. Roberts. Yes, it yeah. was. And he, he included... Yes, he included all of the controversial stuff, etc., because he was always yeah. good about including everything. Wait, right? The Adam God theory, people yeah. living on the sun, all, all of the that shit. Crazy racist remarks about Brigham, uh, commentary about him sending people to their death, basically, uh, because he was sending them into mm. crazy, dangerous Native American areas and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's fun. Very, very good reading. Yeah. All right, we are now in 1956, and this is, again, a personal note. David O. McKay dedicates the Los Angeles Temple Ah. in California, only because that's the one that I got, and, you know, that's where I learned all the truth about what's really happening. I went to the L.A. Temple uh, dozens of times, and... It was in the waiting room in the L.A. Temple where on the wall was the verse from uh, Doctrine and Covenants 84. Mm-hmm. He who accepts this priesthood and then turns away from it shall have no forgiveness of sins in this world or the world to come. Wow. And I remember yeah. reading that and just quivering, just shitting my garments. <laughs> 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 and thinking, oh my God. Yeah. So there's, there's, you know, I, I thought the exact same thing, just, but I didn't think, oh my God. I thought, oh Lord, my God. Oh, oh Lord, my Get it? Hear It'll the be words of what you my say. mouth. Hear yes. the words of my mouth. Am I an awesome. A-L-A-L. A-L-A-L. Yeah. A-L-A-L. You know that's Hebrew? Pele-L? Yeah. I just, I didn't know that when I was. I, I I don't think I ever participated in the Pele L version of the endowment. Do you know what we're talking about, Mitch? Did you have you yeah, researched? Yeah, you, where you slit your throat and well, yeah, that, yeah but that, well, I did participate in the penalty. Oh version. God, hear the words of my mouth. But it used this to be during yeah. the part where they where you say, "Oh God, hear the words of my mouth." You used to say instead Pele L, which is Hebrew, which is probably mispronounced. <laughs> Which has what the, the guy was doing that. was trying to pay for his beer. Pele L. <laughs> L. Oh, L. L. Oh, I get yeah, it. Yeah, oh, come on. Yeah, man. that's the. Yeah. Uh, I'm ready to pay for my beer. <laughs> okay. I think I've drunk too much. Yes. All right. Oh, God. Count Dracula. 
I wasn't drinking beer. I, I was... think I drink too much. Oh, no, it's blood. It's my blood they want. Oh, I knew it. Wow. Okay. All right. It, wow. Let's see if we can even continue here. Okay. Uh, November 3rd. Again, a very personal note. Now, as you look back on your progression and the, uh, I don't know what w- other word to use, progression, your the evolution of leaving the church, there are certain books, documents, things on online, of course, for you guys especially. For me, I'm a book guy. I'm old school. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me just read this. Church News, full page repudiation. Of Annalie Scarin's religious claims, self-styled translated person does another disappearing act. Scarin's book, E.R. Gods, is metaphysical extension of her early Mormon beliefs. Now, there are several, several writings that slowly nudged me away for the hardcore doctrine of the LDS Church. Annalie Scarin's books, of which I own all eight volumes. Wow. The first one being Ye Are Gods. Okay. Was like Max Skousen's books. They remained faithful to the church, at least <laughs> in word only, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they had a metaphysical rendering on things. And it was a, just a strange thing. I, of course, I completely left all of that ultimately. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, they were trying to do the the gal that you talked about in the church news, they were trying to do some kind of a progressive Mormon thing. Mm. But I just, my mouth would salivate if I saw a volume of, oh, there, there's the next volume. Oh, so was oh, Karen a precursor to Skousen? Did she, did her stuff come uh, out? Yes. Okay. She was before I was introduced to Max Skousen's writings. So she was uh, an early Skousen, so to speak, as far as like on the edge kind of metaphysical interpretations of the gospel. Right. And, and so, so okay. the word that was used there is they repudiated it because mm-hmm. it was a metaphysical mm-hmm. version of Mormonism. Well, fuck, that's me. I'm, I'm into metaphysics. Yeah. I'm, into spiritual things, and by that I do not mean religion, completely different, mm. almost polar opposites, actually. Yeah, yeah. And so that I thought, wow, really? That's in here? Well, Dave, let's so, just remind you just really quickly here. Jana would tell you, Dave, you didn't understand religion because religion is complicated. Ah, that's okay. it. It's complicated. My it's thoughts are not your thoughts. That's My right. ways are not your ways. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I have several other really good Let's entries here. Let's do it. From D. Michael Quinn. I, I want to shout out to the source I'm using. D. Michael Quinn's second book in a three-book series, The Mormon Hierarchy. Hey, can we give it up for D. Michael, everybody? Hold on. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Give it up. Thank you. Yeah. All right. He did all the work. All I did is read the pages. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like playing a game? I kind of do. I feel like we should add a yeah. game segment to the show. And I was talking with Gordon the other day about this. And Mitch, you were there. And we were kind of rapping mm-hmm. with him mm-hmm. about. And he lit up. I. It was kind of surprising because I didn't think game shows. I mean, some of them are pretty old, right? I think. I don't know when the first game show was. Way back. You never know if somebody's a fan or not of the genre. You know, you either kind of like game shows or you don't, whatever. Gordon turned to us, mm-hmm. dropped his coffee, 
and lit up. <laughs> and he's like, can I participate? Right. And, and we're like, yeah, I, kind of surprised. Do you want to be a contestant? No, I want to host it. And we're like, whoa, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm kind of excited about it. So we're going to, what did he say he wanted to do, Mitch? Like a little mini Jeopardy kind of thing? Or, yeah, that's what I, the gist I got of it was, uh, basically some kind of Jeopardy parody for Mormonism. So, okay. Well, I think the band has some things queued up that they wanted to play to help Gordon out, make it be like an official event. So, as he's coming out of the curtain, the band had a theme that they put together to help him, you know, with the whole thing. So, let's, I guess let's kick off with that theme. We'll try it from there. Go for it, Jimbo. Ah! Hey! Thank you. Thank you. All right. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) To the Mormon Jeopardy. The categories for this session are an angel with a flaming what? (laughs) (laughs) Alger's fanny? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm all over that. And finally, the Mormon Church. All right. Each each worth 100, 200, and 300 points. Excellent. So, let's start things off with uh, David, shall we? David, which category would you like and for what? how many points? Okay, Gordon, I'm going to play it safe and go with an angel with a flaming what for 100. All right. Here's the question. <clears throat> oh, here's the answer, this right? Is, right. This right. is the answer. <laughs> <clears throat> this is the object in which the angel was holding when visiting Joseph Smith Jr. A battery powered dildo. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm <Nope>. sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. That's incorrect. Damn it. Correct. Can I steal it? Can I steal the answer, Gordon? Oh, what the hell? Go ahead. Okay, I think it was a a flaming sword. I I think yeah. Ah, all right. Well, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh the wait. Correct answer. Yeah. Is what is a flaming sword? Oh. oh. Got you. God Got damn you, it. Oh, I didn't answer it with a question. Oh, <laughs> shit. All right. Chance. <laughs> Chill out, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Mike. Choose your next category. Oh, I think I'm going to do Alger's Fanny for 100. Let's keep I'm it gonna safe. I'm going to do it. All night long. Oh, oh. my goodness. Jeez. Oh. Easy there. Easy. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you ready, Mike? I think I am. All right. Here's the answer. Fatty Alger was this old when Joseph wanted to use his flaming sword on her. <laughs> <laughs> this time I'm going to answer it correctly, but I mean in the right way. But I don't remember the answer itself. I think. So, I'm going to go with uh, how old was 15 years old? Well, I guess I could give it to you. The correct answer is what is she was a fucking child. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So, okay. I'll give you that point, Mike. Okay. So, since you got that point, Mike, why don't you choose the next category? All right. Oh, Am Damn I it. team one or team two? I think I'm team two, right? You started with David. Okay. I don't give a shit what you are. There's two <laughs> oh fucking God. categories. Wow. Okay. <laughs> he wants to get this over uh, with, I guess. Uh, Annie, Alger's Fanny for 200. Let's keep going on that one. All right. The answer here is Joseph was rumored to be caught with Fanny in this location. Oh, no. Uh... Memphis, man. Memphis. Yeah. No. Uh, no. I don't have an answer. It's my turn to answer it then. In the barn, for hell's sakes. In the barn. Uh, What is in the barn? Who was in the barn? What were they doing in the barn? I think it's where is is the barn. You know what, Dave? I'll (laughs) give it to you. You you started several fucking times, but I'll give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) The correct answer is what is a fucking barn? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. A barn wherein there is much Please. fucking going on. Okay. There you go. You got the joke. A fucking barn. Oh. It's just because they were uh, they were doing. Yeah, I got it. Oh, I, I see the on, picture. I'm gonna have to go. Excuse myself if you don't stop. Okay. Oh, oh. Excuse me. <laughs> All right, David, take it away. The Mormon Church for 100, please. All right, the Mormon Church for 100. Here's the answer. A common phrase often heard in the church is, quote, I know that this church is blank. <laughs> uh, what know. is, what is true? I'm sorry, Dave. Damn the it. answer Damn. is, what is a cult? A <laughs> fucking cult. <laughs> Oh, I don't. I don't understand why you got that wrong. I. <clears throat> I've been. Oh, God. All right, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> okay. Choose a category. I think I know the. I, th- I think I can see a trend here with the answers. So hopefully, I'll get the next one right. I'm going to go with the Mormon Church for 200, Gordon. All right. <clears throat> the answer here. Many claim that the Mormon Church is the only true church on the face of the earth because blank. I'm going to say what is because it has completely brainwashed them. Oh, that's close. I'll give it to you. What is because it's a cold. It's a fucking cold. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, he's leading us into our subject matter, isn't yes, he? That's that's right. awesome. Yes, that's right. That's right. All right. Uh, take it away, Mike. You won that one, so why don't you take it away? <clears throat> I think I need to subtract some of these Questions and answers here. Crap. Um, yeah. Gordon, that's your job. You're supposed to be doing that. All right. The oh, Mormon- I don't give a shit. Just pick something. <laughs> <laughs> Mormon church for 300. All right. The answer. Thousands of new members are baptized each year into the church because of this. I'm going to answer what is because it is a convincing fucking cult. You got it again. What is? It's a cult. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Al- right, it, looks like, it looks like Mike is cleaning the floors with you, David. What the fuck are you doing? Well, you, don't give me a, you don't give me a chance, motherfucker. God <laughs> damn. Because, he because he's getting them all right. <laughs> all right. Go ahead, Mike. Alger's, I'm not resurrected, man. So. Alger's fanny for 300. Alger's fanny for 300. 
Joseph was blank when he began pursuing Fanny Alger. Uh, Hard. <laughs> hey, it's not your que- not your question. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Jo- jo- uh, what was Joseph was drunk? <clears throat> I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Oh, the answer wow. is what is. A pedophile. He was a fucking pedophile. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Dave, you're up finally. <laughs> I lost oh, 300 on that one. What's left? Uh, flaming swords for 300. Ooh, going for the top. All right. <clears throat> oh, for 300. Is that what you said? Yeah. 300. Putting All it out right. there. Putting it out there. All right. The angel threatened to do this with the flaming sword if Joseph did not obey. Cut off his testicles and nail him to the front porch. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's incorrect. God damn it, David. You had one chance. <laughs> All right, here it is. The I'm correct just... answer oh, to the correct uh, <clears throat> answer here. The angel threatened to do this with the flaming sword. If Joseph did not obey is what is glorious penetration. <laughs> glorious <laughs> penetration. <laughs> Ow, ow. Oh, oh my god. Oh, wait, no, that's not that bad. Whoa, hey. That's a, that's what some historians speculate speculate anyways. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right, Mike, let's see if you can take us home. The last one here. An angel with a flaming what? For 200. Some historians speculate that the angel's flaming sword was actually blank. What is a penis? That's correct. What is a euphemism for his penis? All right. Good job, Mike. All right. I did it. Woo. You've uh, done it. You've won you've won the game. Little I'm so proud of you. The audience. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Wow. Yeah. Shall now Listen, proceed. I'll give, you, I'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. How about that? Entrance into the celestial kingdom? Is that right. too much to ask? Uh, oh. Gordon, thanks oh, for like that. that. Yeah. Thanks for that, Gordon. Hey, give it up for Gordon, everybody, in our first episode well, of Mormon you. Jeopardy. <clears throat> yes. Give it up. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Gordon. Yeah, of course. All right. That was interesting. Yeah, it kind of was. Yeah. I think we'll perfect that over time, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. We're going to finally get into the episode itself here. <laughs> now that it's, uh, or the topic, we are in the episode. I always forget that. We're not in the topic yet. Guys, you will remember way back when, and I'm too fucking lazy to look it up, we did an episode called Alias Smith and Jones. Remember that, Dave? Oh, yeah. And we compared Jonestown, and his name was Jim Jones. What was the name of the religion again? Jim Jones religion? I don't remember. Fuck, I- I don't did it have a name? Either. I thought it did. I don't know. Anyway. I can't remember either. Yeah. They they were in Jonestown, which is obviously a self-named city and whatever place that they mm-hmm. hung out. And so, yeah, we compared Joseph Smith and the early church members and church itself to the Jonestown church and Jim Jones. And there's it's eerie how many close comparisons there were. 
And why did we compare it? Because we believe strongly. Because it's a cult. So hey, Gordon. Cult. Gordon. <laughs> okay, Gordon. You can, your time's up sorry. in this episode. Sorry, I'll leave. I'm yeah, sorry. There's I some, really no, I know. I'm I know. Sorry. There's there's some there's some nachos back there, Gordon. If you want to. Oh, thank the Lord above. <laughs> okay. Stay away from the tacos, man. Come yeah, on, for he our knows sake. That. Yeah, he yeah. knows that. Anyway, because there's a lot of comparisons and we do believe that the Mormon church is a cult and people will try to, you know, soften it. Oh, but it's not as extreme or blah, blah. Well, yes and no. It depends on the time frame you look at, especially the early church. I don't see a lot of soft, <laughs> uncult-like behavior in the church. Anyway, so today, burning for you, a very poorly placed, irreverent, bad joke. <laughs> Around what happened to a lot of people, Dave, from the Branch Davidians. Well, only yeah. nine of them survived. Yeah. And this is this is why we have so much in the material that we do have yeah. about what actually took place within the Branch Davidian group. We're not going to say cult group. And the revelation I had, because I am a prophet. Oh. David Ooh, was. Hey. Joseph was. Jim Jones was. Charlie Manson was, and that's the revelation I had, talking about comparisons. I had never put this together before. I'm kind of jumping ahead, but David Koresh, otherwise known as Vernon Howell, upon his birth in 1959, loved music. He loved the guitar, and he loved the book of Revelation. Well, guess who that sounds like? Charlie Manson! Exactly like Charles Manson tried to become a famous recording artist hmm. and also leaned heavily upon the book of Revelation. I'm like, what the, f what? I, yeah, I had no idea. Yes. Yes. They both pursued. In fact, Charles Manson played with the Beach Boys for a while and wrote lyrics with them. Okay, I, and, I did and, not and know that. The reason he lost his shit is because everything fell through. He wasn't going to make it. And that's when he lost lost his shit and went out to Spawn Ranch and did all of his crazy shit. Well, David Koresh grew up with a love of two things, the Bible and an electric guitar. You're kidding me. Yeah, hmm. so I, I kind of threw that out there. Out well, of I think it's a good place to start, Dave, because we were talking yeah. about the childhood of these guys earlier offline, right. and you had mentioned, too, there was a quote. Was it from each of their mothers, Koresh and Joseph Smith, about- Right, right. Yeah, uh, their unusual interest in religion- At a young at age. At a young age. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. David Koresh, uh, uh, a.k.a. Vernon Howell, mm. 11, 10, 11, 12, he's spending all of his time reading the Bible. What? Come on. And was he Not hanging out with Pharisees in the temple or the Sadducees in the temple at 12 yeah. years old? <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I, I know what I was reading at that age, and it had the word play and pent in it, but oh. it wasn't. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, I wasn't reading at all. I was just, okay, hang on. <laughs> Yeah, so very uh, a strange attraction in what it was, and I'm going to summarize our whole podcast here. Uh -huh. It was an attraction to having power when you feel powerless. It's the same thing over and over mm. and over. Yeah. I feel powerless in my life, in my situation, 
in, in my past, the things that, you know, he even had a lisp. And then once he decided to go ahead and reveal the meaning of the seven seals, and that was his whole thing, not just the book of Revelation, but the seven seals within the book of Revelation, the people in the congregation said it was a, a miraculous change. He could orate for he would go 10 to 12 hours at a time. Oh, my God. Now, if you've sat through a sacrament meeting, back in the day, they were two hours long, and we thought we were going to die Yeah, as young, young kids. Yeah. Can you imagine 10 to 12 hours? No. Hell no. But here's the thing. They're not leaving. Hmm. They're not leaving, and they love it, and they're lapping it up. Hmm. So what kind of magic is going on here? And that's what we'll get into. Yeah, and that's another thing I think that Joseph Smith was known for, right? I should have prepared some quotes around this. We've mentioned it a few times. His mom talks about how Joseph was like, for lack of a better comparison, the little uh, entertainment DJ in their house, right? Mm-hmm. And he had this imagination. He would tell these stories and hold on to your seats about Native Americans. Same kind of thing, yeah. right? Great entertainer, charismatic, I guess, right? Like, but here, here's the thing. Again, a reiteration of the fact that it didn't start that way. He was first introduced to Waco and the Branch Davidians, who are a breakoff of the Seventh-day Adventists. Mm-hmm. And it goes back. This I didn't know. I learned this morning through another documentary. 60 years. It goes back before Lois Roden, who was his mentor. 67 years old, he's 21 years old, mm-hmm. and when, when he's introduced to this group of people, he's not noticed. He's he's nobody. He and sits in the he's back. Still, yeah. Again, he stutters. He's just mm-hmm. a, a dumbass with long hair, a, a dropout, a nonconformist, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. There he is doing his thing. They start to have studies in the evening, and Lois notices, my God, this guy – understand scripture mm-hmm. at least she thought he did and, and his interpretation is amazing so she encouraged her followers to listen to him he therefore when she passed away took over now her son mm-hmm. wasn't happy with that george roden mm-hmm. who was the heir apparent wasn't happy with that he thought he would take over so there was a feud And there was a standoff. And anyway, I'll go to the short version. George Roden ended up in jail. Mr. Waco Wacko Man moved back in. He had to leave for uh, two to three years. And he created his own place out in the woods, basically. Hmm. And then George got incarcerated and he went back and took over the Branch Davidians. And so they were there for nine years before... The standoff and the siege uh, started, hmm. and we, we can get into what happened with that. Uh, I don't know why I find it fascinating. I just I think ultimately what we're talking about as a parallel to the Mormon Church, to Charles Manson, to D- Jim Jones, to the Heaven's Gate, on and on and on. What is this power? Yeah, over people that you possess where does it come from how how was it employed i mean it's it's amazing it is amazing, amazing. it is amazing i yeah. mean we talked a little i've got some notes here that we could point out specific parallels like between koresh and smith for example something that yeah. you know that i'm thinking about while we're talking about this yeah. um, is it, it is it is truly fascinating how these cult leaders 
are, I, I mean, I don't know, and you can tell me this, David, did, what's his face? What's, what's his name? Koresh. <laughs> Koresh. David Koresh. There we go. Um, did Koresh, would, did he ever run for politician? No, because he found his place as a Christ figure amongst mm. his people. Among Ultimately, yeah. they saw him not as Jesus Christ, you know, reincarnated or something like that, but as a Christ figure. And they hung upon his every word. And I don't think Jim Jones yeah. ran for political office either. I don't think most of the cult leaders did in modern day, right? I think. Right. Uh, well, I guess what I'm saying is if we just decided to do segments on this of mm-hmm. cult leaders, what I'm finding so fascinating is they're so influential. They do have the power of persuasion. Yeah. And I think that's actually a wonderful talent that people can have if used correctly. And it's fascinating to see the ones who have that gift, I guess, for lack of a better word, and they use it to their advantage and create of a course. cult. Mitch, so are you trying it, to say, it, Mitch, power. whether Mitch, we're talking about political office or, or religious station, it's always power. power. So yeah. To the extent, and let me just throw this out there now. David was married to every woman, not just sacked up with them, married. I don't I think legally, no. but in his mind, in their mind, married to every woman above the age of 12 in that compound. And he sired 21 children. Wow. All 21 yeah. perished in the flames. Yeah. I'm kind of yeah. jumping ahead again. I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing around here. No, I was just, I was thinking on, of something. Man. His first wife was yeah. 14 years old. And that sounds and pretty familiar, familiar, doesn't it? Oh, man. Yeah. So now, yeah. how old was Fanny Alger? She was not 14. I don't think she was that young. She was. I, well, that's their speculation that she was. She was just 14. shy of her 15th birthday. Ah, right, yeah. right, right. 15th. Okay. And, you know, so I she just. She was 14, technically. She was 14. That yeah. makes sense. So it's just a, you know, a couple notes there. On the marriage part, right? At least Crash is like, we're married, even if it was only recognized by their, you know, religion, whatever. Right. Fanny, that's a defense from a lot of apologists for the church. Well, it wasn't an affair because he married her. And the evidence shows that they actually weren't married. <laughs> so it was an affair. It was adultery because he was married to Emma at the time. Anyway, it, it's interesting, though, this point. And Mitch, the quick interjection I was going to make when you talked about responsibility and things like having the gift of persuading people or being good at that. Mm-hmm. Are you mm-hmm. trying to say with great power comes great responsibility? Is that what you're yes. trying to say, yeah. Mitch? Okay. Yes. I was actually just watching Spider-Man just now as we're doing this podcast. Yes. I have to multitask. With great power become, comes great responsibility. Uncle Ben said that. Yes. So, yes, with great power comes great responsibility. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, I, I just... So... Yeah, okay. Holy fuck you too, audience. Jeez. I was trying to make <laughs> a Marvel joke. Let's- some of the chronology because I just think it's interesting. This is the longest siege in U.S. history, it started with the ATF. And what they did is four guys moved into a house across the street mm-hmm. from the Branch Davidians. To monitor and them. spied on them yeah. for weeks, yeah. trying to gather evidence. Well, they never really got anything. And then a UPS guy is delivering stuff to the compound. And a crate breaks open and some hand grenades fall out. And so he reports that to the local authorities. 
And that's when it starts. That's when, that's it when starts. the ATF is like, and before that, and this is the part that isn't that well known, there were reports of child abuse and sex with minors. Right. If he's going to marry. That was yeah. before the allegations about weapons. Mm-hmm. But it was ultimately the weapons charges that brought the ATF out there in February 28th when they first stormed the castle, if you will. And four agents were killed, and I think seven were injured, and Caress was shot. Year was this and, again, Dave? What year? That, that would have been the 93. 93. This okay. was February of yeah. 93. Yeah. And then it culminates on April 19th. And that date is interesting. If you look it up in history, I believe Columbine was April 19th. And if I'm not mistaken, the uh, Kansas City Murrow Building yeah. was blown up on April 19th. The belief is that those were mirrored or that they took place on those dates to bring attention to the fact. And there's still great controversy as to the legality of what not only the ATF did, but afterward, the FBI took over mm-hmm. and <laughs> they botched the shit out of it. So I'm not defending the cult Mm-mm. or or their tactics or what went on behind those walls. But what the ATF and FBI did was fucked up. So what you you might be saying is that there were two cults fighting each other. There you go. Essentially, essentially. And they're using the same type of tactics. For instance, the FBI played soundtracks of the sound of rabbits being murdered. Oh, my God. If you've ever heard a rabbit murdered, they scream right before they die. Okay. And Tibetan chanting. What? Yeah. And so who's actually being worn down here? Is it the agents (laughs) who are sitting there in their trucks with their hands on their triggers for 51 days? Or is it the cult? inside 51 i mean you are right it's two cults working against each other well what's interesting too Mm -hmm. is talking about parallels again we could presume even though there were what do you want to say like accusations of like sex with minors etc which makes sense because he's like yeah i'm married to anybody more than 12 years old well yeah you've got a spread of years there that is a minor still, but they didn't have proof necessarily. Right. And so the proof came with the spilling of the hand grenades out of a broken crate and they're like, Oh, well, here's physical proof. God damn. That's, you know, illegal explosives here. There's a couple things that are parallels there. One is Koresh and folks may not know this. If I'm remembering correctly, Dave, from what you shared from the documentaries, Koresh was making money to provide for the, little colony <laughs> by selling weapons, by dealing in so, weapons. So what what yeah. he became aware of is the fact that the price of an AK-47 and an M-16, those type of rifles, yeah, assault was rifles. going to double, if not quadruple, because they weren't going to be available anymore. There were several things that were factors in that. And so he amassed them and then sold them. He bought them at the lowest price. Mm-hmm. And sold, sold them, them at the highest price and yeah. made money. That was it. That's that was how it. he fed his family. That's so, how he kept the thing going. Yeah. yeah. So I see two parallels here to Joseph Smith. One is illegal activity to make money. So there's that going on with Kirtland Safety Koresh. Society. Safety and then you yeah, got things yeah. like the Kirtland yeah. Safety Society where they made fake money 
and they created a bank that didn't have the money that it said it had. And there's a story about an audit where the government came in to yes. check the bank. And I don't remember whether it was Joseph himself or somebody else that came up with the idea, or if we even know, where they were like, hey, let's just spread a layer of silver coins on the top of this chest and make it look like the whole chest is full. Well, doesn't that sound like the stock market right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that's an aside, but yeah. Oh, no, yeah, okay. right? So they come in and they see the silver and they assume the whole chest is full of it. And they're like, whoa, whoa yeah. okay, yeah, you guys do have assets. So they're they're lying and they're, and they're deceiving people. So similar. And then it sounds like the second parallel in my mind there is how Koresh gets caught, right? In quotes is evidence comes law. out. The federal law. And with Smith, as a lot of people forget, even back then, right, destroying a printing press was a federal crime. And so, he was responsible for that, the destruction of the printing press. And so, that haunted him to his last day because he was a federal criminal. He was chased for that. And that's one of the reasons that they moved all the time and so forth, unless I'm remembering incorrectly. I think that's pretty much the case, right? Well, and and so even with Koresh, you'd think, well, was that as severe as Jim Jones taking his people to Guyana? Not quite, mm. but he did move them from, it was called Mount Carmel. He moved them from Mount Carmel out to the sticks for that period that I spoke about, mm. and then he moved them back. So they were running, if you will, and moving and somewhat secluded, but not to the degree of Jim Jones or even maybe Joseph Smith, where he would get in his truck, drinking a beer, smoking a cigarette, and just drive into town, into Waco itself, mm -hmm. and buy supplies, just like your average citizen. There yeah. was no... Don't make waves. Uh, yeah. Just right, buy right. your shit. Just something else that fascinates me is, which the, the current Mormon church still has this persecution complex mm -hmm. that dates clear back mm -hmm. to when exactly. things yeah. started. It's this feeling of, oh, we're being persecuted, quote unquote. So that must mean that we're doing God's work because Satan's trying to get us. Mm -hmm. And it's so common for these cults yeah. to have this persecution complex that they're being chased by the government. They're being chased by civilized laws mm -hmm. and citizens that are saying, hey, what you're doing is wrong. And then and, and their response is. Well, this proves that we're right. And yeah. it's the craziest right. bullshit. Yeah. And, and it still happens today. It still happens. Oh, it, yeah. It's a lot less. It's a lot less, but you know. A lot less we, in your face. If, yeah. if, Mormon, if the Mormon listened to this podcast, they would right. be like, we're being persecuted for our beliefs. Yeah, that's what Mormon talk's well, doing. We're persecuting the them. The church yeah. that, that are centered around their trials and travails and their persecution. Oh, yeah. Oh. Carry on, carry on, yeah. carry on. Yeah, someday we'll yeah, get to know, Zion. Yeah, the whole. across the back yeah. and the whole thing. So David carried that to the ultimate degree. He refused to let the people leave. Some of them left on their own accord. Mm -hmm. As they were storming the uh, compound, what they show you over and over on the news back in 93 was this one tank smashing into the front of the house with some tear gas. What you're not being shown is they're hitting the house from every side and literally taking it apart. 
Yeah, and there and was more than one tank. And the remaining survivors are in a concrete bunker, which was some kind of a cold storage room, and died there. Yeah. Died inside. Yep. From and the so heat. the big controversy yep. is who started the fire. Yeah. And that's not what this podcast is about. Mm-mm. You know, who started the fire? Were they that crazy, that whacked out that they'd rather burn alive than surrender? To authorities, or was it the authorities themselves? I don't know. Yeah, do we? Yeah. Do, I think so. You know, I don't know. Doesn't matter. I mean, I think it's, it doesn't yeah. really matter. No. Yeah, something I've been thinking about as we've been talking about this. You, you have these cults that are, you know, obviously branded cults that are so like it's so glaringly obvious that they're a cult because of these kinds of stories and because of the extremities that they go to. I think it's natural for us who were raised in the Mormon church to go, yes, you compare it to the Mormon church. Joseph Smith was the original cult leader, but even he was a lot better, even though it was glaringly obvious back then. When Brigham Young took over, he didn't give a shit. He took Joseph's ideas instead of trying to be quiet about it. He took them and ran and he was like all right this is this is what this church is and this is yeah. what we're doing yeah and, and a big difference. difference of the church today and this is what you you oh. and david have said this michael yeah. is that this is one of the most disguised cults subtle yeah and the most successful and yeah. the most successful because they're so disguised in what they do they still hold to these ideas mm-hmm. but they're very sly about it and so they need to fit in yeah, yeah. So and will, I, I they think will say the right things and sometimes do the right things, but their doctrine still teaches cult like shit. And it, oh, know, yeah, and yeah. And a right. big point to me is along those lines, Mitch, is you can't ignore the foundation of your belief system and your organization, mm-hmm. right? And, and the exactly. church so wants to do that for obvious reasons, right? Because from the cult founder himself, Joseph Smith, which ironically included some of the occult, in quotes, <laughs> uh, in his life, mm-hmm. whatever, all the way to his death where he still had the Jupiter talisman in his pocket, right? But that side note, anyway... You can't ignore that fact, and you can't ignore the Joseph days, the Brigham days. You know, I thought of Brigham immediately, Dave, when you were talking about how Koresh moved them out into the sticks, right? And you can't think, uh, in my mind, at least during that time in the United States, when the western part of this continent was not part of the United States, right? You can't think of a way that Brigham could have gone out to the sticks, in quotes, more than leaving the fucking country, which is what he did. Mm-hmm. He left the yeah. country. And that, you know, current Mormons, a lot of times, uh, they don't think of it in that concept because, uh, or in that way, because the entire piece of the continent here is the United States. Back then, it wasn't, as we know. And By the so, way, yeah. That he moved them to, <laughs> I find this just interesting. Desert? When he had to leave. Yeah. He moved them to Palestine, Texas. Oh, yeah, Palestine. Yeah, we were laughing about that earlier, the name. And then, okay, the challenge. And it's when he returned. By the way, he was known as Vernon Howell that entire time. But when he returned, you shall be given a new name. Sound familiar? David Koresh. Koresh is after Cyrus, Mm -hmm. a kingly figure. And we know who King David was. Yeah. So, that's Mm -hmm. that's where that came from. And he's already a part of the branch Davidians. 
So what other name are you going to choose? Well, and didn't you say, David, it was revealed in the documentary that when members became like fully invested, they were given a new name? Wasn't that the case? Yes. yes. Yeah. So, so you've got the new name parallel, right? Which is interesting. And Look at this. Uh, David yeah. died. David Koresh, it was found when they found his corpse, yeah. had died of a gunshot wound at close range to the head. Jim Jones, gunshot wound to the head. Joseph Smith, several gunshot wounds. Charlie Manson lived out his days in prison. So, they're, you know, yeah. and, and then we know Heaven's Gate. They just all put on their Nikes and went flying up. <laughs> <laughs> Drank a little magic Kool-Aid and oh off they went. God. No, the Kool-Aid oh. was, I always confuse that. Was the Kool-Aid Heaven's Gate or was the Kool-Aid no, Jim, Jim Jones? Jim Jones. Heaven's Gate what, was. They used a strong sedative mixed yeah. with alcohol and actually smothered. Each other. They, the thing that they put over their face was that the, they were almost dead already. And then when they put this purple thing over their heads, it finished them off. Suffocated uh, them. Okay. God. But the Nikes were new. So that's, see, that's important. <laughs> yeah. Because the fucking yeah. aliens are not going to accept you if you have old. Tennis shoes on. Yeah. So that, that's it. I think that sums it up. I mean, the end of these cult leaders. And then just because a branch of your cult survives. So in the case of Mormons, right? There were six or seven major breakoffs at the death of Joseph. The Brighamites mm -hmm. ended up being the most successful. And the Brighamites, of course, went west out of the country, way out into the sticks, you know, especially back then out in the middle of the desert. Right, fuck them. We don't want to go out there. <laughs> right. So here we were alone and, and Brigham had his little empire. And of course, he got the fruits of the original cult leader suffering the, the fate, so to speak. And he wasn't, you know, martyred and he didn't have to worry about being assassinated like that pretty much, right? And the members were isolated out here. You couldn't just pick up your bags and walk across the fucking desert. There was no train at that point. So you were kind of stuck just geographically. I mean, it was a major affair to get the hell out of here Yeah, if you wanted to leave. Yeah. And then it succeeded from there. And you can't look at that as a church today. It's, well, you know, that was the past. All the cult-like behaviors. Oh, and, you know, blips of history. Blips I'm of sorry. history. Yeah. One could even argue that, you know, you hear a lot of members go back to Joseph Smith and they're like, well, he was the prophet. And Brigham Young, you know, he was a prophet too, but he did a lot of bad things. And, and just hearing you, Michael, review everything that happened after Joseph Smith's death, this, even though Brigham Young took so much from Joseph Smith, in a way, this church is actually Brigham Young's cult. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yes. There was a huge gap. How many years? Three years? Three years after Joseph Smith died? There were so many breakoffs. Yep. Brigham Young finally gets people to follow him. Then he comes out west to create a new country. And I guess that dawned on me for the first time just now. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. This yeah. could technically so be Brigham Young's cult. Yeah, it really is. He, yeah, it is. It, it really is. And then it yeah. flourished into what it is today. Yeah. There's adjustments being made. So, <laughs> God, God, being all-knowing, of course he has to make provision for adjustments continually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. So, oh, I want to speak to just one or two other things. This power that David had over these people. Mm -hmm. When he was a young man, he 
had written down in his diary that his mother read in the documentary that he believed God was talking directly to him mm-hmm. when he prayed. Mm-hmm. Later on, mm-hmm. he spoke from the Bible, but it transformed into him speaking as if it was the voice of God. And that's when the people got sucked into it. It's not a guy up mm. there quoting the Bible. That is the voice. He was like, cha- he was channeling. He a, he, yeah. He's a Christ figure. Check this out. He died at age 33. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Christ. Okay. Yeah. Now, how old was <laughs> Joseph, Smith? Joseph Smith? Died? How old was Joseph Smith when he died? Well, so, I was talking about Jesus no, himself. Yeah, but Joseph was supposedly. in his 30s too, right? 38. 38. 38. So there were 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What Vernon Howell did is he used scripture as a weapon. Mm. Think about it. Yeah. And here's my final little thing here. This I found very interesting. David Koresh called Christianity itself a cult. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that is so ironic and hilarious. (laughs) He did. It really is. Oh, yeah. there was Jesus and those 12 guys that followed him. It's a cult. Oh, my God. <laughs> How funny. How funny. Pot and kettle, right? How funny. Uh, yeah. That's great. That's a great way to end it, I think, on the humorous <laughs> note of him calling Christianity a cult and, uh, yeah, saying they got it wrong. And, yeah, there's more of these to do, guys. Uh, we've talked about doing a comparison against the Jehovah's Witness. We've talked about doing a comparison against Scientology. That's one dear to my heart because I was so invested recently in Leah Remini's Scientology, The Aftermath series. Mm -hmm. Uh, She did an episode on Jehovah's Witness as kind of a pre-episode of her third season on the show. Interesting stuff. It helps to create perspective, I think, when you do these comparisons. And as we know, some of these cults are still surviving, including the church, right? And and some are not. Time doesn't seem to be a factor here, meaning that people, I believe, have always essentially been the same. Our makeup, what motivates us, what drives us, uh, so forth, uh, Mm -hmm. what our fears are, what our desires are. It's been the same. So, of course, this keeps showing up. But when it surfaces, for me, I've always been a comparative historian. I, oh, fuck, that sounds like this. Mm-hmm. I, it's the first thing I do. I just, it's natural. Mm-hmm. I don't, oh, uh, let me look at my notes. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to compare this mm-hmm. to this. Force this, this into this no, container. It yeah. It, yeah. You know, because I'm looking at trends in people. That's yeah. what we're talking about here. Talking about people. It, That's right. Psyche. Yeah. That's right. People. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm also interested to know how many other cults outside of America were prominent because of course yeah. we learn about the ones in America. But the reason I'm asking uh, is I, I have my own personal belief that any type of group that begins to think they're more elite mm. than others is the very foundations of a cult. That's it. That's I think you're right. And yeah. Yeah. On top of that. So you think of, and I don't mean to go off on a rant here, but you think of Joseph Smith, you think of all those churches back then, even the cults that have, that continue to rise up in America. We could do a whole episode on America itself being a cult. Mm, it is. Isn't that interesting? Because, yeah. because Joseph Smith, it's not like, and that's why I'm fascinated to learn about other countries because the premise of America, the premise of the foundations of America was what we've learned for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. That God, this is a, Joseph Smith didn't have this, you know, unique golden idea that 
America mm-hmm. was a promised land. No, that this wasn't was his common, idea. No, a common thing. Yeah. And so I would go as far to say that we could really dive into learning about like what creates in America, what creates these cult leaders. And I have my personal opinion and belief is that this doesn't just come out of thin air. We are cultivating, America is cultivating these leaders that think they are better than everyone else. Think about the word cultivating. Yeah, I was just going to mention that too. Yeah, the the word cultivating Cultivating. is a a great... No pun intended. It it is part of our psyche. There's a mundaneness. Let's face it. There's a mundaneness to human existence. Yeah. So everyone wants to be special. Well, and that goes way back to the episode you and I did, I think episode number two or something, Dave, of why religion and this concept in the basic human psyche of wanting to feel secure, wanting to feel loved and accepted, wanting to feel protected, because life is scary, right? And life is fragile. And yeah, this goes back to that, right? And you're just wrapping an organization around that, which makes it even more powerful. We're going to wrap it up, guys, because we could talk for another hour on this topic. It's fascinating. We'll get into more of it as we, you know, talk about other specific cults that have survived and are thriving, not just Mm -hmm. ones like the Davidians that I think they're pretty much gone. I don't know if somebody picked up after the Waco incident. That we know of. That we know of, yeah. And that's a whole other thing David and I were talking about earlier offline, Mitch, is how many of these things exist that weren't in the news because they didn't break a federal law, obviously. And they they stayed relatively small. And they've stayed relatively small. they stayed off the radar. Yeah, yeah. Nobody was watching them, uh, even down to the family level, where a very controlling father is the leader of a cult. Sure. Amongst his own family. That's right. Yeah. It goes back yeah. down to Stephen Hassan's model, right. the bite model, right? If you're controlling mm-hmm. behavior, if you're controlling, you know, information, thought, or emotion, any of the bite, you know, uh, acronym concepts, then you're really kind of cultish. That's what you're doing. Yeah. And so, to your point, Mitch, it doesn't have to be religion. It could nope. be politics. It could be an MLM. It could be, you know, whatever you want to use that's controlling those aspects of people's behavior, right? It's interesting yeah. stuff. Thanks for joining us, guys. We're going to wrap it up. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Before right? we leave, yeah. hang on. Gordon, I'll take Irish whiskey for 400 <laughs> Irish whiskey for 400. You've got it. (laughs) Here. This is the double jeopardy. (laughs) I've opened the slot and it looks like there's a whole bottle here for you, Dave. Damn. I love you, Gordon. (laughs) I I always did. Even when you were Mormon, I really just. That's that's a relief. I hated myself when I was Mormon. (laughs) (laughs) Love okay, you guys. You guys. Yeah. Until the next time that we torture you relentlessly yes. with our voices. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. What a wonderful show this has been. What a wonderful <laughs> show. <laughs> Woo! Wow, you're dancing there, Gordon. Oh, I'm shaking what my mama gave me. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Wow, guitar. You're cranking it, Dave. Oh, 
Too much. I shook up my bowels. I think I just shit my pants. I better excuse myself. All righty. Excuse me. Well, on that uh, note, I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, we'll see you. All right, man. Bye. Yeah.